The sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Happy Halloween, everyone. You're probably listening to this on October 31st. We're recording it here on Monday night on the West Coast. Going to get to some gamers, finally. Got things set up here. Going to talk about Golden State getting back on track and derailing the Clippers, who had started off so well this season. Also, been really wanting to get a look at the Orlando Magic. They played against the Pelicans tonight, won in an impressive fashion in New Orleans. So we'll get to that one. And of course, we've got plenty of news to discuss as well. Where would you like to start news-wise, Danny? We have to start with Marco Fultz because now we have a clearer picture of kind of where things are. The Sixers announced on Sunday that Fultz is out indefinitely with soreness and scapular muscle imbalance in his right shoulder. No structural damage, which is good, but he's it's an indeterminate amount of time that he's going to be out and he's going to be reevaluated. Keep in mind that's different than cleared in three weeks. Does make you feel better or worse about what's been going on with him? Better, yeah. Because if, I think if there's, you would agree. Yeah. If there's no structural, no structural damage, I feel like a muscle imbalance is something that can be fixed. I, I, I need to. I'm waiting impatiently for Jeff Stotts. I think he's written about this basic issue before, but with Fultz, and unless he has it out, and I just haven't seen it because today's been busy. But yeah, I mean, the fact that there actually is something wrong because there had been that concern of what if it's just mental? Well, it's not just mental. Yeah, I, I'm not so sure of that. I think this is a data point in that direction but there's still no structural damage and imbalance i mean you haven't really heard of something like that before as being like oh he can't shoot the ball he can't raise his arm above his head like th- that seems like usually there's structural damage if you're if it's really that bad i, I mean i think there still is a mental component to this now i do think that maybe if there is a mental component to it just almost trying to convince everyone including markel that it's an injury and that if he just does this rehab it could almost even have just a placebo effect to get him back to shooting but the reality is that if he whether it's mental whether it's physical whatever it is it's not helping anything running him out there the way he was and so until he's back shooting in the gym comfortable shooting three-pointers comfortable being the player that he was or at least some reasonable facsimile of that there's really no reason to have him out there and whether it's rehabbing his brain rehabbing his shoulder whatever it's going to be you have to think that this is the right course of action. But I mean, three weeks for a muscular imbalance, you know, I've, yeah, all right, it could cause some problems, but to the point where like you can't even shoot a shot, I still think that there is a little bit more going on here. We'll see though. I mean, I I do feel better about it. I do feel like finally, at least they seem to be on the same page PR wise and be on the same page 
just in terms of making sure that he gets right, which is much more important than uh, the he said, he said PR battle about whose fault this is. The other kind of, to me, big ticket item that happened was Boston getting a disabled player exception for Gordon Hayward. You and I were both unsure about this, partially because of the timeline that's required for disabled player exception. It's not focused on the end of the regular season. It's basically the whole rest of the season. It's not a guarantee. It's not like injured reserve in football where they're out, but that's that's kind of the guideline is that the guy is, is, I don't know if you know the exact terminology, but basically that he's expected to be out for that whole time. Whether or not that portends poorly for Hayward, we don't know. But that means that Boston has $8.4 million to use, but it has to be on a player with an expiring contract. Yeah, or they can add a trade exception as well for such a player or just to sign somebody as well as, as a free agent. And perhaps in the buyout market, it could be useful to recall that they've already used their full room exception on Aaron Baines so they really would have been limited to the minimum now they can essentially outbid anybody on that buyout market the language by the way for a disabled player exception is substantially likely that he will be out until at least June 15th and so they really have that buffer zone that hey you know he's not going to come back at any point although really we haven't seen guys come back during the playoffs who have been out with serious injuries it's really not something that guys have done if they can't come back during the regular season making your season debut essentially during the playoffs not something that happens but at least you know i think they made a pretty compelling case and it just looks so ugly that now they got this exception but we were trying to talk about this i couldn't remember the greatest player ever signed in the history of the disabled player exception i think the 2011 heat signed someone with udonis haslam who in fact came back and still looked awful and wasn't playing and then completely turned that series against the bulls he had a monster game two i think he had a monster game four in that series and came back but whoever they signed with the disabled players that might have been like you know jerry stackhouse like eric dampier or something like that uh somebody about the same age as the guys on the current calves yeah exactly let's get to some of this rookie option stuff sorry i want to make one i want to make one small cba nerd note i've been frustrated about this for years and i don't think i've ever talked about it on the show so the way the disabled player exception works is that it it basically functions as either a signing pool or a a trade exception you can use it either way as long as the player fits in with the rules of it being an expiring contract this is actually the implementation that i would like to see the league use for the mid-level exception as well and theoretically the bae so so that if a contract, and I would say the remaining term of it, fits in that, that you can use it as a trade exception or to claim a guy off waivers instead. It's just a slightly relevant piece of functionality that some teams would actually use, and I don't see how it hurts anybody. Yeah, I think where it might run into trouble is just because they want to they don't want teams with who are over the tax to be able to acquire players more easily i think just generally being over the cap the trend has been making it harder to acquire players when you're over the cap the the lone exception to that has been with trades and i also think it would just make it a little harder for the casual fan to understand of like oh they have this and then they also can trade for a guy and and so but i think it's uh i like it better than a lot of your off the wall ideas i'm like pretty neutral on it that hurts my heart, Nate. <laughs> that's like, I, I, that's but, not even, is that even a backhanded compliment? I don't really even know what that qualifies as. But anyway, I'll take it in stride and we can move on to, well, yeah, the well, op- I did. Do you remember when we were like first coming up with ideas for the show? And like one of the things we talked about of like, you know, segments that we could do was uh, crazy Danny ideas that are completely impractical or like <laughs> something like that. Yeah, that was meaner than this, but... <laughs> But so, but let's let's move on to options. I mean, so hey, oh, after after you called them my Chicago Bulls yesterday, <laughs> like you can't you can't expect that uh, 
you're not going to get fired back upon. That's for sure. <laughs> oh, I, I totally expect it. But so and, and, and so what? What dumbass shit did my Chicago Bulls do with rookie options? By the way, can we talk about that? Well, yeah, we, let's let's do both of the Bulls things in one in one kind of piece. So the the injury news first was that John Paxson informed the media today that Nikola Mirotic is not going to have surgery on his facial fractures. So that was kind of the question here was that he had to deal with a concussion first, and then they had these facial fractures. Not going to have surgery. I do not know how that affects the timeline, but it is notable because that means that he's not going to have yeah, the surgery. Probably recovery. helps it. I would think so. Probably helps it, you would think, yeah. I mean, and, when you have surgery, that's going to cause it to, like, swell up all over again as well. Um, but, yeah, I mean, if he's, like, just getting over that concussion right now, I mean, that's he, he definitely got, got messed up pretty badly. And you certainly understand from his perspective on just hey i'm not willing to play with uh with bobby portis again and then what did they do option wise so they did what was expected with a lot of guys like jerry and grant but then the and denzel valentine but then on the two guys that we when we did the option show that we said basically oh they should decline these they they can use the money cameron Payne and bobby portis they picked both of those up and both those players had fourth year fourth year player option or fourth year team option sorry and it's a lot of money for guys that aren't clearly going to be a part of their rotation next year and just don't have a ton of upside you know like i can understand in certain circumstances spending on a player who has doesn't have a big role for you at the moment because you could see you know through injuries or whatever but portis is behind at the center spot behind robin lopez and behind christiana felicia who they just gave a boatload of money to and then he's definitely behind lowry markinen and presumably behind you know Miritich as long as he's on the team at the four and then Cameron Payne just hasn't been good and I cracked up that Fred Hoiberg mentioned as part of the I don't know if it was the rationale it was just something he mentioned when somebody asked him about the Cameron Payne thing that he had served as the scout team Isaiah Thomas in when they were preparing for that series and that just amused me to no end yeah especially because uh, although it's not like they're as bad but this is uh, a team with like Rondo and like Wade in the backcourt last year, not exactly like a murderer's row defensively would have been guarding him. Like whatever comes out of Bulls practice of like guys looking really impressive in practice, they're playing against the rest of the Bulls. <laughs> like it doesn't exactly mean that much if they're killing it in practice i mean how bad is it when there are guys who are not killing it in practice but yeah i think for pain just have seen so little from him the idea that he would get more than that uh that anything could happen there he would get more than that it seems unlikely now we have seen a lot of point guards develop late i mean we tyler ennis was in this exact same situation last year right where you and i were both saying god he's shown nothing they should decline his rookie option and that's in fact what happened and then he had a nice end of the season with the lakers but then also what happened with tyler ennis is instructive that even then he had almost no market and especially when you look at who is going to use anything other than the minimum on pain the bulls will still be able to pay him more if they want to bring him back because they could pay him as much as that rookie option would have been so like nobody's a team that's trying to contend is not going to use like part of the mid-level exception on, on Cameron Payne and a team's not going to use like you know salary cap space to pick him up really so I, I think there's not much risk and the risk is that this team is trying to acquire players probably just taking on bad contracts again next summer and so every dollar counts but uh, let me ask you this right so Quincy Pondexter was one year 3.4 million this year so that's between Portis and Payne, you know, he's, uh, you're right in that range in terms of salary. The market will probably be even tighter in terms of dumping salary next year. So would you rather have like a quality second round pick or would you rather have Payne and Portis? For me, that's pretty clear. I'd rather have this, the quality second round pick. I mean, even that could buy you $3 million for them. So that's pretty good. But... <laughs> yeah. 
it's it, it it's frustrating in, in kind of those ways as well. Also, it's two roster spots. And another way to think about when picking up an option is a bad decision is that it's actually harder to include those guys in trades now because I don't think other teams will be that interested in them. So if in case they wanted to, let's say they wanted to take on a slightly larger contract or something like that, and they wanted to include those guys in a trade, now that other team is probably going to balk at it where before it would have just been expiring salary. Let's get to the Warriors. As expected, they did decline Kavan Looney's option. The requisite tweets that they were happy with him, but and, and he has been in better shape. He has looked better, but just due to the tax and sort of, and really the roster spot, even perhaps more than the tax next year. When you see the type of players they've been able to get for the minimum, really uh, players who help them a, a ton. And remember, of course, too, with Looney, if he's just so good, they can again try to bring him back if they want to. I mean, there's almost no circumstance, I don't think, in which he's going to blow up to the point where another team would offer him more than the minimum when he's just sitting on the bench on this team so i think if you, they really feel that strongly about him they still could offer him more than another team is likely to uh but i mean just in terms of the roster spot in terms of that two million which you know turns into about eight million depending on where they are over the tax and real money you're better off just having the roster spot if you're the Warriors because you can bring in a vet. I mean, they could sign like an Omri Caspi level of player in theory who is just going to be much more helpful than Looney is. And Looney's not a guy with like star potential or, or anything like that. So uh, this is understandable that they did pick up uh, Damon Jones's option, however. Yeah, so Damian Jones is a little bit of a different case be- Jones, because yeah. his option Sorry. his option is is a smaller value because it's a third year and he was they were both the thirtieth pick in the draft so they weren't really sacrificing as much it is the roster spot issue and it's interesting because Jones has played so much less with the big squad than Looney has but I can kind of get that on the sense of you know they want to see his potential they want to see what he can do and it's more about in his situation it's the the spot more than the money because the money is about the same as what you would expect with the minimum guy as opposed to Looney where was about a million higher yeah and for jones i think a lot of it too is just they probably think that it's just it's not fair almost to decline his option when he just has not had the opportunity to do anything they they drafted him knowing that he had this pectoral injury didn't have a chance to play at all last year i think they want to try and develop in the d-league he does have some solid physical tools it's shown some very rare flashes at times but also is just kind of running around like a chicken with his head cut off out there most of the time we'll uh do some injury quick hitters. We're going to find out more about rookie options tomorrow because that's the, the deadline. Serge Ibaka did not play on Monday, although they blew out the Blazers. And I actually thought Ibaka probably shouldn't have played at the end of that game against the Warriors. They What we've seen from Ananobi already has been pretty impressive. Uh, Siakam has looked pretty good as well. They provide a little more versatility defensively. Ibaka probably better as a center right now. And he's also really just, I can't stand watching his decision-making offensively anymore. But, uh, you know, so they, they played very well without him. I didn't watch that game so hard to say whether his absence contributed that or not but this is the knee that he's had kind of repeated problems with since he had that surgery in 2015 and after which he really you know whether it's age related or whether it's just health related has not been the same guy athletically since he had uh, that surgery uh what else we got here Amon Shumpert, another player who you could consider for the best acquisition with the disabled player exception from back in the day. He was in the starting lineup in Cleveland's loss to the Knicks, but then had right knee, or, or he was, it was that game or the game before, but then he left the game early due to right knee soreness and is now day to day. Ersan Elisova is out a week or two with a bone bruise in his knee. JJ Redick has yeah. missed the last two games, including their win tonight over the Houston Rockets. With back tightness, he's day to day. Quincy Acey has a groin strain. Damari Car- 
Carroll has ankle soreness and is questionable for their next game. Yeah, and just on those real quick, with Ilya Sovet out, we'll probably see more of John Collins. He may play some four as well. Potentially, they may try him out there. Mike Muscala will see a lot of as well. And hopefully, we'll see more of Torian Prince playing the four for that team as well. I think that's a look that they could go to get a little more versatility. Um and for the Nets, Damari Carroll is really an essential player for them, especially now because everyone has kind of moved down a position. They don't really have anyone else on the wing who can defend aside from him. And so if he's going to be out, you know, it's really too bad too because he has been outstanding so far this season. I do expect the Nets, not necessarily just due to that as well, to kind of regress a little bit. And, you know, I don't expect them to finish the year 500. Um, the Mavs really continue to take hits. Seth Curry who they have missed quite a bit so far both in terms of the fact that they need his scoring and shooting and also because it's really forced everyone to play actually bigger than Rick Carlisle would like to play uh he's still week to week with that stress reaction and then Dorian Finney-Smith really their only other option on the wing off the bench he's been shut down for at least two games with left knee tendonitis so outside of West Matthews and Harrison Barnes, they don't really have anything established in terms of wing players. So I hard to see them turning it around anytime soon. You know, it's going to be more time for uh, John Cavell is really the only guy that they have who's a conventional wing player coming off the bench now. And for those who remember, I think it was about a week ago, I rattled off the horrifying schedule that Dallas has between now and Thanksgiving. They might not win another game. They might win one, but they might not win. That might be only one more which would be they would have two wins at thanksgiving and remember they started last year i believe it was three and 14 and came back to be somewhat respectable we'll see if that happens again this year or whether they really embrace more of a tanking mode and then troublingly miles turner has still been out uh it's been two weeks now i think that happened on opening night or close to two weeks it was the first wednesday of the season i uh, played that one game against the nets that crazy fast game he's said to be making progress per coach mate mcmillan but is still in the concussion protocol but that's given demontis sabonis a, a great chance to thrive and, and to play some center which i think is a certainly offensively one of his better position i think he could be a quality player offensively uh at the five much more so than the four i mean he's had some games like where he's like seven of seven and like nine of nine from the field I mean, the same sort of crazy efficiency that he showed at gonzaga so it'll be interesting to see when turner returns of what the chemistry is like between uh, those two players. Small note, I've been seeing a fair amount of this recently of the like, oh, like blank player has X averages for this season. Nobody's done that in a season since blank. The reason why nobody's done that in a season since blank and that player is doing it now is because the season is 82 games and these guys have played like six. So I would highly recommend toning those down until we get to at least like the 30 to 40 game mark because there's just so much noise in the sample right now. Yeah, although Russell Westbrook did average a triple-double last year, which... uh, most would have said it would have been impossible all right we're gonna get to this golden state clippers game momentarily but first this from quip good oral health really impacts your overall health your gum health as well as studies have shown that if you have healthy gums you're more likely to be healthy if you have unhealthy gums that that can lead to other problems a lot of us don't brush our teeth properly i probably didn't really do that great of a job until I got an electric toothbrush. And if you don't have one yet, you probably know the phenomenon that my sister likes to call sweater teeth, where you can just feel the plaque coating your teeth with your tongue. If you try a Quip toothbrush and you've never used an electric toothbrush before, 
you're going to be shocked at just how much cleaner your teeth feel how much better your gums feel as well when they're stimulated by an electric toothbrush and you don't have to like move your arm back and forth strenuously for two minutes there's a timer in it it helps you to actually time out know how long you should be brushing and then it just turns off at the end of that there's even a pulse that tells you hey you should move to another quadrant of your mouth after 30 seconds another barrier to entry for electric toothbrushes has always been well they're too expensive quip start at just 25 dollars half the cost of bulkier brush and it's basically the size of a regular toothbrush I, I take it with me all the time it's got this very convenient case that you can also just stick to your mirror if you're living in an urban environment you may not have a lot of room on the countertop you can just stick this case to your mirror and it'll just stick right in then you take it off and take it with you in your dock when you travel it's, i take it with me all the time when i travel and you don't ever have to charge it because it just has one AAA battery that works for three months and then you sign up for their subscription plan every three months they send you new brush heads they even send you a new battery it comes with the battery of course to start with so just give it a chance i think they've won the 2016 gq grooming award time magazine called it one of the best inventions of 2016 is backed by leading dentists so the way to get started with them and let them know that you came from us getquip.com slash capspace is your url that'll give you your first refill pack free with a quip electric toothbrush that's your first refill pack free at getquip.com slash capspace easy to remember that slash capspace url because we talk about it all the time on the program that's getquip.com slash capspace this game, despite the fact that Chris Paul is no longer in LA, very much along the lines of a game that happened a little bit later in the season last year, but very similar result. One of the early Twitter NBA shows, if I remember correctly. Or was it even our practice show? Is that possible? Yes, I think it was actually our practice show. Because I remember show, we but... were at Twitter HQ and the Warriors just beat the stuffing out of the Clippers. And Golden State has gotten up for them forever, even before their playoff series back in 2014. And some had wondered whether Steph Curry would still do that without Chris Paul on the Clippers because that's always been a little bit of a personal rivalry for him. Oh, Patrick Beverly has also been a personal rivalry. That is also well. true. And and also one of the other kind of takeaways from this game is that Draymond Green has always defended Blake Griffin well. And Blake did end up with a, a relatively decent stat line if all you looked at were the counting stats. But he struggled a lot of times to get to reliable places for his offense. And he was he was less efficient than usual, four of ten from the field, but a, res- a, a good two of four from three yeah it was interesting you know he did have four turnovers which is a problem and and four fouls 16 points negative 23 in his 30 minutes it was by the way 141 113 schlacking remember we we got that mailbag question of what was the most points the Warriors would score I think I said 145 and they got to this 141 pretty easily and I think actually their garbage time unit is so much better than last year like a lot of times last year they'd be on pace for like 150 and then just not get there um and this wasn't like some unbelievably fast-paced game either this is basically a hundred possession game so uh the Warriors really were unbelievable offensively Back to Griffin, though, the Warriors actually double-teamed Griffin more than usual, even when Green was guarding him at times. And I think part of that was because they didn't really respect some of the other players who were on the floor for the Clippers. Gallo was left open quite a few times off of double-teams from Blake, just like one pass away. Kevin Durant would come down from the top, double-team Blake in the post, and give up an open three to Gallo. And Gallo is shooting like under 25% from three on the year so far, even though he's been okay defensively. And then Austin Rivers also, they just just weren't guarding it at all he was a big liability i thought for the clippers in this one he had a better game the last time out that was against the pistons yeah and they they ended up losing that game but he played pretty well and then they just the warriors just abused that 
Austin Rivers, two of 10 from the field, one of three from three. So that gets into a couple of his issues, you know, the reliable long range shooting and then finishing at the rim. And just the Clippers offense seemed disjointed. Uh, something else that struck me uh, early one more on thing was on, that... on Rivers before, before you change the subject. Sure. Really, you know, you noted that he took three three-point attempts. They go under on every single screen with him. And so especially if it's like in transition, they like to run a drag screen with Blake and then hopefully get a switch and get him into the post in early offense and so you know they probably ran 10 or 15 of those I mean just a lot of them just improvised play or on like any kind of DHO involving Rivers and they just go under and so any of those plays just leads to no advantage gained whatsoever that's something I say all the time when we're doing the Twitter show broadcast no advantage gained and that's what it was with him and then when he would get into the paint he was just you know doing his usual like just throw stuff at the dartboard and hope it sticks and drops in somehow um so he definitely he's been starting with Teodosic out I'm not sure Teodosic is gonna be a panacea either against the Warriors but you know I I think this maybe just brings it back to earth a little bit for this Clippers team of like you know they're a nice team they're healthy Blake looked better but they're just like not really there yet I mean to even be giving the Warriors trouble with this group in, in the way that maybe some of the other West contenders could what I was going to get to before is that I was I was surprised early on when DeAndre Jordan actually got in foul trouble in sort of a weird way where he fouled once he fouled uh, was Zaza Pachulia was actually just did a run and he fouled Pachulia to prevent what would have been a layup attempt. You don't want to say a layup because it's Pachulia. So the chances of it going in are like 45%. And that so he had that and I believe he had a second foul kind of around that same time. And so then he had to miss the end of the first quarter. That was a little bit of a problem for them because they their, their best minutes were when DeAndre was out there. That's not a surprise. And then you brought up the Warriors garbage time lineup. I mean, they were playing in this one. They bounced it around a little bit with McGee at the end, but it was McCaw and Nick Young, Caspi, Jordan Bell and David West and then eventually JaVale McGee and so I got asked on Twitter and posed this to you as something we could discuss on the show somebody said is that five better than the Chicago Bulls starting five (laughs) oh who's starting for the Bulls these days Uh, so it's Jerry and Grant Zipser and Caspi is definitely better than Zipser Ike McCaw is is probably better than Grant Nick Young probably not better than Justin Holiday at this point he was last year but Nick's pretty out of shape they've been awful when he's been on the floor defensively um and then you know JaVale is not as good as Robin Lopez and Jordan Bell is probably not as good as Larry Markin so it's pretty close I, I think but the Warriors are, are better coached and probably the Warriors team is better defensively I think um so yeah I don't know it, it would be an interesting uh seven game series between them for sure can we do that on all-star weekend <laughs> No, it's the, they're going to try this year. Uh, yeah, I, I will be going on vacation during the All-Star game like I did last year. Hopefully, uh, you know, DeMarcus Cousins doesn't get traded during the All-Star game this year. That's that's my one he vacation during the season is... Uh, yeah, I, I, I like that. Game. I like that. I was around for that and then gone for and then gone for the trade deadline, which actually ended up, you know, that was its own thing last year. But yeah, I mean, with the Warriors, this was really the first time, and it wasn't even a full four quarters because they had a bad stretch in the third quarter where they've just, they were they turned the ball over four times they weren't weren't hitting anything but other than that like it's as you don't assume anybody's ever going to be perfect for four quarters this was about as good of a three-quarter run as we've seen from them and it's a reminder of oh yeah the Warriors when they do that they're going to win a lot and they only turned the ball over 12 times total in this game and they were effective of course I mean it's been ridiculous this year that even though they've turned the ball over so much they're shooting they're I mean they shot 58.4 percent from the field in this game 
Yeah, Steph Curry got back on the track to the tune of 7 of 11 from 3, had been shooting an uncharacteristic 34% coming in. He really devastated off of offensive rebounds. And I think he had like three or four of those were off offensive rebounds. I mean, he gets plenty of open corner threes. And really, the movement that he has to get open for corner threes is by far the best in the league. Like, he does something that not a lot of guys do, where if he drives to the basket and he gets cut off, he'll drop it off to the perimeter and... And whoever is guarding him is like, oh, thank God, like I made him pass off. I did my job. But you haven't done your job with Steph until the possession is over because he's going to sprint out to the corner. Now everyone is in rotation and a lot of times they just lose him or certainly on an offensive rebound, it's going, he's hunting that corner three as well. Uh, they put in Sendarius Thornwell briefly at the end of the third quarter to guard him because it got down to 90 to 81. That was as close as it got after the Warriors uh, at the end of the second quarter surged out to that lead with some great Jordan Bellman it's involved there and then in that third quarter Steph scored 11 points in less than two minutes or I'm sorry scored or assisted on 11 points in less than two minutes other than a JaVale McGee uh, offensive rebound foul that turned out to be an and one and they put Thornwell in to guard him and Doc took him out after two possessions basically like for the first time he tried to switch onto Draymond Green he kind of got held up on the screen and then Green pinned him on his back and rolled right to the basket and JaVale got an oop and then the next time in transition Andre Iguodala didn't even really set a screen Steph just faked back door popped out hit a three and Thornwell was out of the game and I think just for anyone who doesn't have experience in the NBA Steph is just so hard to guard because you're just not used to the level of movement that he provides just the idea that hey I can't even let this guy catch the ball on the perimeter within 25 feet of the basket and to still do that and like in transition also stop the ball and have help responsibilities like rookies just cannot process all of that and so he's just extremely difficult to guard and, and doc took him out and put in austin rivers who uh also got torched at the end of the quarter and uh curry hit a ridiculous end of quarter three on him to basically uh put the lights out for the clippers as uh the warriors led it by 21 after three before the game, Coach Kerr put some serious shade on the team because somebody asked about whether they were going to, you know, face some ill effects because it was a back-to-back and it was a home road back-to-back. They lost to the Pistons on Sunday night and then flew down to LA. And he said, well, we didn't really expend that much energy last night as a, you know, an indictment of their effort and everything like that. And so I don't I don't think that lit a fire under them. I think everything else did. But, you know, Kerr, Kerr has been able to be that kind of glib voice in it because he knows that the team is isn't going to take it you know take it in in hurt kind of in that way you know lit a fire under them i'm not really even sure that they played that differently than they have been other than just not throwing the ball all over the gym uh, on offense right i mean they, well, i thought draymond played better defense tonight than he okay. has yeah in I, the last couple games that's fair I, I think that that is fair to say i mean he does get up for blake griffin and we mentioned blake actually beat him a couple of times um more than we've seen in the past i think he actually beat him three times for three of his four field goals um uh, uh, may have gotten followed on one of those two but it was overall i mean they still gave up like a 115 offensive rating they just had like a 140 offensive rating themselves and that's why they won this uh, by 28 points uh, so uh, the defense was not like so unbelievable in this game they still you know it was gave up 57 points in the first half they just scored 74 themselves um couple other notes it was a 13 to 1 run for the warriors after 
the Clippers got it down to nine points to, to really put it out of reach in the third. Any other Clippers notes that you had? Like, how, how did some of their other guys look to you in this one? Well, before I get to that, I just want to mention one crazy thing with the schedule for them. The Clippers have only played one game away from Staples Center so far this year. That was in Portland when they won by one point. And they still have another week at Staples until they fly to San Antonio for a game on November 7th. That is incredible. Yeah, and it certainly but, facilitated the, their fast start. Although, really, now they're down to what four and three, so the they're now kind of closer to where we thought they would be record wise. And losing two in a row at home has been oh no, actually no, this is only their second loss. I think they lost their first one of the Pistons on Saturday. Um, yeah, a few other notes for this well, one. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Something I want to mention is that Patrick Beverly was really hitting his shots in this game, particularly early. He hit a couple of big threes. I think one was off an offensive rebound was a nice play. And the Clippers threw three quarters. You talked about how they were effective offensively. They were 10 of 21 from three. I mean, that's that's pretty impressive. I mean, just overall, I mean, that's maybe you want to get a few more up. But I mean, 47 percent, you'll live with that any day of the week. Yeah, that, that's pretty good, I, I think, for them. Also, like Blake, you mentioned he was two of four from three. Both of those threes were actually off the dribble. He, like, went between his legs on Zaza, who he, he totally kills. I mean, they ran a lot of four or five action to get Zaza switched on to Blake, and he was able to be a little bit more effective in, in that matchup. Um, but, yeah, he just went between his legs and pulled up. He just pulled up off the dribble in, in transition. I mean, it's definitely the fact that he's making that shot is really just a remarkable testament to how hard he's worked both mentally and physically um as much as he kind of has this reputation of being like a pretty boy and also just to be in the type of shape that he is after being injured you know to, to actually look a little bit better athletically this year than i thought he did at times last year as he's getting older is pretty impressive as well uh I thought Wes Johnson has looked pretty decent so far this year. He just looks more comfortable shooting the ball. I think he's kind of a confidence guy who, if he knows he has regular minutes, I think he, he's one of these guys who plays a little bit better there. Uh, Willie Reed was pretty ineffective tonight. Uh, didn't really find his way to protect the rim. He struggled in his matchup against JaVale McGee, but it's difficult, obviously, to be able to come over and help when you have McGee as a lob threat like right behind you. Oh, that was something, because you watched the game after the fact that you might not have caught because it was buzzing around Twitter, that on one play, Wes Johnson was driving to the basket and Patrick McCaw fouled him. And during the free throws that Wes Johnson was shooting, Draymond admonished him, and this is on the on the broadcast, saying, don't do that, he hasn't finished one of those in 10 years, which is just another example of his just, just insane trash talk that he does during games, especially against the Clippers. <laughs> the that's pretty hilarious yeah i i, I do enjoy uh, Draymond really tries to like hit people where it hurts with, with the trash talk uh jordan bell looked great again i mean he was inactive the last two games uh, this plug uh for warriors watch it starts now if you want to hear danny rant again about uh, jordan bell not playing enough but uh bell is now 12 of 14 from the field on the season and net rating with him on the floor plus 35.8 this season he comes in and immediately gets a dunk next time down gets a pass on the short roll and sets up Draymond for a layup then gets a steal out on the floor he's had quite a few of those just denying the ball he gets a steal really just he makes things happen whenever he's out there and I don't even care if he doesn't know the plays that well at this point I think he definitely should get more minutes and you know I know they tried to like give Looney a look or whatever and and Looney wasn't active again today but like you know Jordan Bell might be I don't want to say he's the best center on the team yet but he's definitely played the best of any of their centers so far this year and that's with david west having a very nice start to the season as well 
cool. I'm not ready to formally start banging the drum for Zaza Pachulia to not start, but I do think that the coaching staff needs to not treat that as a given because he has looked a lot worse this season than he even he did at the beginning of last year when he started out slowly too. Yeah, Zaza, he's good for two illegal screen turnovers per game, and those hurt against the team. You know, I know he's trying to contribute and set screens, but every time you turn it over, you're really taking the ball out of the best of the hands of the best offense. And then his finishing has been ugly. He did have a couple of nice floaters in the lane, but that's not a reliable shot for him overall. I mean, we mentioned his shooting struggles from the field. There was one play, though, I mean, where he's just was so open that he actually got it dunk uh, because they tried to double Kevin Durant in the post and Austin Rivers would uh, was just stuck on Clay Thompson in the opposite corner, like wouldn't even guard Zaza right under the hoop for for a dunk. But that shows the gravity that Clay Thompson has. I think it really is underrated what just having him on the backside of those all those pick and rolls and DHOs and stuff like that's why they get some of these cuts down the lane. And, and we had mentioned last thing here the Clippers were doing a great job of only allowing the right shots while they gave up a ton of shots at the rim the Warriors were 26 out of 30 at the rim in this one shot an amazing percentage there and then their usual amazing percentage from three I think they've been over 40 percent so far as a team from three and then the Warriors able to get some scoring finally from Draymond Green when he gets into double figures I think the the team really seems to play a lot better Uh, offensively they really become uh, unstoppable And, and so I you know I don't think that like I don't think the sky falling for the Clippers or anything like that we knew they weren't going to be as good as the Warriors and I think they could be a a reasonable playoff team in the West and it's just a question of where they're going to fall ultimately in that hierarchy going forward anything else you had on this one no that's about it all right we'll talk about the most exciting team in the NBA the Orlando Magic right after this from ZipRecruiter Back low those many years ago when I was a lawyer I wish that we had ZipRecruiter on because I had to do some of the interviewing and selection of candidates back then. And I wondered of like, you know, where's the best place to find these people? Like, I don't want to have to remember 37 different passwords to all of these sites. Do we do Craigslist? We actually had some success there. Do we go for like the local San Francisco lawyer magazine and put an ad in there? What's the best way to find a qualified candidates? We don't have to choose anymore and you don't have to log into a bunch of different sites anymore with ZipRecruiter. You can post your job to over 100 of the web's leading job boards with just one click. And then ZipRecruiter puts its smart matching technology to work. It actively notifies qualified candidates about your job within minutes of posting so you receive the best possible matches. That's why they're different. Unlike other hiring sites, ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on the right candidates finding you. It finds them. And that's why 80% of employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site in just one day. ZipRecruiter is the smartest way to hire... Find out why they've been used by businesses of all sizes and industries to find the most qualified job candidates with immediate results. The way to get started with them, use the link ZipRecruiter.com slash Capspace. That slash Capspace URL, easy to remember because we talk about it all the time here on the program. And my listeners can post jobs on ZipRecruiter for free using that. And also, of course, important to use that to let them know that you came from us. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash Capspace. One more time to try it for free, go to ZipRecruiter.com slash Capspace. So the whole point of watching this was to see like what it is about Orlando, like what they've been so good at. But my number one takeaway from this is that this is just one of those incredibly depressing DeMarcus Cousins games. 
at his best, DeMarcus Cousins is an absolute force of nature, and he can be a force of nature on both ends of the floor. You know, when he's engaged defensively, he can really do he can really yeah. do well out there. I, I don't know about this. Was, what, what's like less than a, a force of nature? Could it just be like you know a like a mild breeze or uh, like you know? I, I'm not really sure. I, I guess you'd have to use like some like slightly less powerful analog of force uh there but it, i i wouldn't say he's a force in it like he doesn't have quite the athleticism i think he could be effective there but for me he's he's never quite had the physical talent to just be like a dominant defensive player fine <laughs> i don't have a term for it but 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 I, a, I, I was, was thinking a very more twelve thirty two a.m. response, Danny. Yeah, you're well, not I, like I was, you uh, don't have your usual fight today. I'm I'm, uh, I'm disappointed. Well, well. So the thing is, a you're largely right, and and b <laughs> I was thinking of it more in the collective in terms of he's so he can be so dominant offensively and defensively. It's a step down from that. You know, he's not this you know two way Kawhi Leonard or anything crazy like that. But it's you know that overall he's a player you have to contend with on both ends. Is really what I was getting at. But then he has these games where he. He's just way too passive. And I think that was one of the big, as you said, one of the big stories of this game, both offensively and defensively. Yeah, you know, I, I don't know if my conception would even necessarily be passivity as, as just negative activity, right? So his line doesn't really do it, it justice of how much he struggled. 12 points. 5 of 14 from the field, one free throw attempt for a, a guy. That's where he is a force of nature, usually is in getting to, to the foul line. And then I think it's part of why he got so frustrated, right? So he took half of his shots from downtown, did have seven assists in this one, but turned it over six times and had five fouls. And really during the decisive run of this game where Orlando went on a... 23 to 2 run he was out there for a lot of that time and he felt like he got fouled a couple times didn't get the call just didn't get back at defense I mean it took 10 seconds like they're running their half court offense before he even came back and then a foul was committed he still hadn't crossed that half court at that time he committed just two like nearly intentional fouls I mean he started the second half with only one foul ended it with five where he just would like reach out and grab guys like it was just not even like a, a real defensive possession and then most concerningly is just he got torched just torched by the shooting centers on the magic between Nikola Vucevic and Mo Spates they dropped in seven threes and Spates I think had four nearly all of which was during a time that he was guarded by Cousins and then Vucevic hit a long two with his toe just barely on the line and then another three in the third quarter when he was being guarded so Spates and Vucevic combined for 38 points in this one spades a career high six three-pointers his previous career high had been four on 10 attempts 10 of his 11 shots in fact were threes he just totally blew a layup he used to actually be an okay inside scorer now he's just stands outside and shoots threes but still can be valuable when he's hitting them and this actually felt like some of those old warriors games where spades would go off at the start of the fourth quarter and win them you know two or three games a year and did that for the magic this time but cousins i mean his body language was so bad he was so angry he was just it was one of those times where you're just like man like if you're on his team like how do you deal with this like what must you be thinking after he had a game like he did in sacramento the other night to just be like hey they just scored like seven baskets in a row and a lot of them threes because of his terrible defense and fouling and, and just not being engaged at all it's definitely one of those times where you're just like man like you know you can't ever hope to win big with this guy you know he's he'll get you some wins but when the chips are really down you can't depend on him necessarily 
And that lies in stark juxtaposition to Anthony Davis, who was absolutely dominant for stretches of this game. I mean, he was undeniable getting to the free throw line, 13 of 15 out there, had a couple of nice blocks too, and they didn't have a counter for him. And part of that you can say is that, you know, Cousins has gravity and you have to defend him in a certain way. But Anthony Davis can just put that sort of a hurt on anybody. Yeah, and Davis did get to the foul line plenty in this one, had 26 in the first half, I believe, finished with the 20. 29 he i'm sorry yeah 39 thank you and this is one of those matchups against aaron gordon where we noted this with lamarcus aldridge yesterday on the 15 and 60 where some of these traditional power forwards i'm still not sure that that's the way to go defensively unless it's really a freak player and you need someone who can shoot some threes but ad is just too big for all these guys now and you just he's getting to the foul line at a tremendous rate this season because now he's got to be guarded by the other team's power forward and the other team's power forward is just a lot smaller than they used to be right i mean even when he would start at center usually they could guard him with the center and he could make do with his shooting but he wasn't getting to the line quite as much at those times um New Orleans really fell apart in this one defensively. Um, their transition defense was horrible in that 23-2 to run. They actually led it by four late in the third and then really just started getting smoked. And they also struggled mightily from downtown, only seven out of 28 from deep. And they couldn't keep up with this awesome magic offense. The magic, for their part, continued just... Uh, we can get to them now. Uh, New Orleans, I just had most of my observations about them for some reason in this game but the magic are just shooting absolute lights out from three there's another performance 16 out of 34 they're getting a ton of shots up 47 percent. they are killing it in transition as well they've been very efficient in transition and so kudos to frank vogel really for rejiggering what was the way he's played for years and years and years and even wanted to play last year now that aaron gordon is at the four John Simmons is a fantastic transition player. Fournier has been solid in transition as well. Terrence Ross, although he's the one guy who hasn't been able to hit any shots yet for this team, is a good transition guy. And John Isaac excels there too. But the biggest thing is just these guys are shooting the, the crap out of the ball. Like they're, they've got, I think, like six of their seven main guys are over 60% true shooting, something like that. Like Gordon is shooting it incredibly well. He was three of five again on threes tonight. Fournier, I think both those guys are shooting over 50% on three-pointers. And so my question to you, Danny, I mean, you saw this game. I don't know how much of the magic you've watched so far this year is, what do you think of their performance can persist here and what of it is just you know hey they're just shooting the crap out of the ball right now i think that one of the important elements to consider here is that they've been doing all of this or not all of it but a lot of it with dj augustine as their point guard because alfred payton's been out he's still out he might be back for the next game we don't really know yet augustine has been better certainly than he was last year where he was just one of the worst contracts in the league and he's been better than shelvin mack from what i've seen but you know their offense is really functioning but by the way augustine augustine it's an even year so he's going to be awesome right like 2014 with the bulls he was great uh 2015 with the pistons he was terrible then he was good again at the year after that got that great contract from the magic was terrible last year and now he's gonna be good again 
So in this game, Orlando had 25 points off turnovers. I think that could, as you said, in transition. And, and they, they're a team that I think is well built to run off makes as well, just to get themselves in that rhythm and because their transition offense is better than their half court. But yeah, I think the shooting is is there. But one of the big takeaways for me from this game, and I've watched I watched first half of their game against Spurs and a few other games. I, I've enjoyed watching the Magic a lot this year, is how comfortable Aaron Gordon is shooting threes. And this is a parallel to Blake Griffin, a guy he's been overly compared to before is that it's not just that these guys are taking threes. It's that they're taking threes feeling like they should and like they're like it's something they can do. And so he's not going to go three for five every night. He's not even going to go two for five every night. But he looks better there. I actually think he's shooting a little bit too much as a pull-up guy. It's like he, he's talked, I think, can't remember what game that was, where they were playing really well and he was talking about how he feels a lot more comfortable to catch a shoot. And I think he should do that more. But it is good that he has that confidence because at least it portends in the positive direction Vooch was an offensive killer again in this game, and Evan Fournier had some really nice moments too. I, I think that he's, you know, the, we had this idea, I, I talked about this a lot last year, I think we talked about it in the uh, preview for them, about how they had a lot of guys that made sense if they had players that went above them, and I think if Aaron Gordon and Vooch can be better than they were, then that starts to make guys like Fournier and, to a lesser degree, Ross and John Simmons make a lot more sense. Yeah, Simmons has been quite the revelation. He had 20 tonight and only 14 shooting possessions, four assists, usually not uh, the greatest passer in the world. But he really, they've been letting him do a lot of the creation on the second unit uh, because Shelvin Mack is not really going to do that uh, with Peyton out. We'll see whether that continues when... uh, Peyton returns and Augustine goes to the bench and Mac presumably will be more out of the rotation at that point and then obviously you know Spates has been providing a, a lot of shooting Biombo only played eight minutes tonight they really went back to Spates when he got hot and they also even played Spates and Vooch together a little bit those guys played a combined 54 minutes just because Spates was hot and they New Orleans was playing with, with two bigs. I don't know how much I want to see those two guys together defensively. Um, and then well, that, Fournier, actually, yeah, go ahead. Sorry, that gets into something that we didn't talk about in this game that was originally, I thought it was going to be a big standout thing, is that Aaron Gordon got into foul trouble almost immediately. And they had to go to some of these different lineups because he picked up two fouls, I think it was in the first three minutes. And then they had to go to all these other lineups. And that is part of what helped Davis go off. But the Magic were able to withstand that. I mean, they they played pretty well in that first quarter. And then Gordon ended up with four fouls. It, you know, it, he only played. 18 minutes but I, I was impressed by that I because he's been a, a, cons- a positive player for them and to see them go into their bag of tricks without really having the right personnel for it was was nice to see so the biggest thing though that we have to account for is they're going to regress from three they're shooting 44 percent as a team Fournier I alluded to this earlier 56 percent from three on five attempts a game Gordon 59 percent John Simmons 50 percent you know, that just cannot continue. <laughs> Even Hazonia is shooting 63% from three, although not very many attempts here. Obviously, I, sh- I probably should have just given the tolls and said, by the way, Hazonia only six minutes tonight. So he's not exactly, they tried, I think, in part because they wanted to go bigger against Cousins and Davis. But uh, on a per game basis right now, they're taking a little under 33s a game. And so that means they're making basically 13 three-pointers a game. So if they drop down to like a more reasonable 37%, which I think is what you could expect from this group of guys generally, that takes six points a game essentially off their offensive rating. And if you look at how they've been surging to this number two offense in the NBA, they are second in the league in e-field goal percentage. And then really none of the other four factors are particularly impressive. One of the worst in the league on the offensive glass, getting to the fouler line at an 
average rate, which is huge progress for them, by the way, because they used to just have nobody who ever got to the foul line. Simmons has really helped there as well. And turnovers, they're pretty middle of the pack. So I think if they just lose six points per 100 on off their offensive efficiency you know they're probably right back in the mid pack on offense and defense has improved as well they've been 14th in the nba in defense they can't rebound at all but their shot defense has been pretty good so that's really going to put them kind of more as a mid-pack offense once that shooting just calms down because they're essentially getting six extra points per game from this incredibly hot shooting at the moment and so that's still big progress for these guys right like i mean i think they and they've banked some wins already so if you regress their shooting back to something a little more normal and obviously there are a lot more variables here this is just some quick and dirty math but they're looking like kind of an average team you know and I, that's progress that's that's a playoff team in the east for sure you would think of you know if they can go 500 from here on out and they already have banked a couple of wins like you know so you have to think just the way they've played so far if they can just keep up the fundamentals even if the shooting regresses they should be able to make the playoffs and they're beating some good teams beating some good teams on the road even and we are seeing especially with the positive developments from them and the pacers though the pacers are three and three at this point that maybe the east playoff picture is going to be a little bit rougher for those teams on the fringe than we expected you know we were thinking in the the high 30s would you would be fine and and that's yeah you know i I didn't have chris taps porzingis averaging 32 a game so far either for for the knicks right right and i i don't know i don't know are you done talking about this game because i did want to bring up that while it wasn't the focus of this podcast this was a wonderful league pass night just with a lot of close finishes going on the knicks nuggets game where the knicks went out to a i think it was a 23 point lead the nuggets came all the way back but then the knicks went with porzingis boston got a nice win over the spurs minnesota ended up carl Spurs struggling right now by the way they've yeah. lost three straight and, and none of them have really i guess the indiana game was close but uh this game they lost 108 94 to uh yeah. to boston and then- and then the Orlando game was an ass kicking too. And then Minnesota had a chance to win in regulation, but Towns got stoned by Bam out of bio of all people. But Wiggins had a couple of huge great plays at the end of the regulation, and then the, they ended up winning in overtime. Then Philly beating Houston, another one of those good games. And those teams played two really fun games in the last week or so, and now they don't play again until next season. it's one thing i don't like about especially putting the non-conference games both early is that you just now that matchup is done and it's a little bit it's a little bit disappointing but not the worst thing in the world because it's not like it's not like i'm sitting there waiting with bated breath for the next sixers rockets game even though both of them were quite fun all right that'll do it for today anything you want to talk about before we depart your book signing is on wednesday right yeah i have a book signing at east bay booksellers in oakland on wednesday that which is the formal release date for 100 things warriors fans should know and do before they die you please buy it wherever you want to and also have a piece coming out on rookie scale on rookie scale options for real gm i think it's going to come out tomorrow morning it includes sniping at the bulls even though they made their decisions before my piece was written because i was just angry enough about it so that will be because there are still some big ones left julia loca for mario hazonia and all that it was the piece kind of was supposed to come out today but it got a little bit delayed and yeah if you want to read my every player stuff for the warriors that's on the athletics app and then i will have a new piece out at some point in the near future excellent i think that's all we got for today i don't have anything to plug because uh my this podcast is my life <laughs> well we got the tour nba show too hopefully coming up here on thursday direct tv installation permitting it at the new place so thanks again for listening don't forget about our sponsors today zip recruiter zip recruiter.com slash cat lets you post jobs there for free and quip get 
slash cap space will get you a free refill pack and quick toothbrushes start at just $25. Talk to you all tomorrow night. Till then. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.